Hello, this is Ways to Improve the World, a series of life-affirming conversations with people making the world a better place. I'm Michael Sheridan, and on this uplifting podcast, I'll be going on a bit of a personal journey to try and find the good in the world. We all know there's a lot of bad things happening, but I reckon there's still hope. There's still good people doing amazing things, being kind and making change. And in each episode, I'll be meeting these people and chatting with them about what they're doing and about what we can all do to make this planet that we call home a bit better. So come join me on my journey as I hope we can try and find some of the ways we can improve the world. Hello and welcome back. In this episode, I'll be talking to the team behind a very special project called SAM. It's a short film that made its debut at the BFFI Flair film season in 2020 and is a coming of age story about love and self-acceptance. It's created a bit of a hype so far, having been picked up by lots of different places, including Attitude Magazine, Pink News, ITV News and Digital Spy, to name a few. And with me are quite a large number of guests. I've got Sam Retford from Channel 4's Ackley Bridge and BBC One's Death in Paradise. It's not just what's happening on screen, that it's, it's what's happening off screen. George Webster, who's also an ambassador for learning disability charity Mencap. You're not defined by your own disability, you're defined by yourself. Hollyoaks' David Tag. Touching on sexuality, it's more of a fluid thing rather than it being very black and white. And filmmakers Neil Eli. Everybody has a responsibility within an, within an industry that's so powerful that, and that can change um, perceptions. I think we've all got a, a responsibility. And Lloyd Air Morgan, who are both from Air and Eli Productions. We want to, you know, get people to watch the film and have have a, have a conversation and, you know, think about the world slightly differently. Hello, thank you all for coming on. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. How's everyone's lockdown life going? Doing great, thank you, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's good. going. It's going, it's going. <laughs> Desperately trying to be productive. Yeah, it's funny because there's that many of you who've got like a head count. Look at everyone, yeah, sorted. <laughs> <laughs> so your film, SAM, produced by Nell Green for Island Films, is now being entered into film festivals around the world, which is really exciting. I rewatched it a couple of nights ago and it's, it's just a joy to watch from start to finish and I'm sure that you're all really, really proud of it. Um, but Lloyd, just in your own words, how would you describe what the film's about? So the basic premise of the film is it's about um, two boys um, that come together in a park in Greater Manchester. Um, one's kind of got an overprotective, overbearing father who wants to look after him and wants to make sure he's safe all the time. And the other one's kind of the polar opposite. He's kind of distant from his family. His parents aren't really in, this, in the picture and they and they bond um, together on the swings and form a connection and a and a, a friendship. So yeah, it's a really kind of warm coming of age story that we wanted to create. Yeah, and I think it's told really beautifully as well. Um, let's just listen to a quick clip from the film then. Can you not stay out? Um, I have to go home at five o'clock. It's time to piss off. He'll go mad. They both treat me like I'm a kid still. It really does my head in. I didn't even see me mum for a few days. Been out on the piss. I wish my mum and dad would piss off sometimes. So where do you live? I live over that, over that side. <gasps> Knew you were posh. I'm from the estate down that end. Ah. 
I really like that part. <laughs> um, and thinking back to where the film originated from, Mencap, who are a leading learning disability charity, um, played a bit of a role, didn't they? So when we were working with Mencap, we were kind of talking to people and asking them what stories they feel aren't being told in terms of disability and, and Britain. And one of the things that kept coming up was um, about love and sexuality. So we wanted to include that into this short film. That was really important for us as well. Yeah, I think it's really great that you asked them what they felt uh, wasn't represented. Um, and George, you actually heard about the film, didn't you, through through Mencap? So w- what was it about the role that, that sort of made you want to do it? The story sounded really interesting, and I wanted to um, explore that in the film. And I'm a big lover of films, so that, that as well. Okay, so you were really sort of drawn in by the story then. Uh, and Sam, you'd obviously worked with Neil and Lloyd before on the sci-fi musical Closet, which was also uh, a huge success. Um, but what was it about this project that really interested you? I think when um, when two random guys that you don't know get in touch with you, um, when you sat on a train station and ask you to be in their uh, musical about a time-travelling wardrobe. Is that how that came about? <laughs> yeah, and it, and it turns out to be... Um, a massive success and an amazing job then then anything uh anything beyond that is 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 going to continue to be fantastic and they, they pitched the idea and and you know as soon as neil opened his mouth i was just yeah hooked on it and and it's a, a story that means a lot to me and and could see that, that the boys were so passionate about it and and they they put so much passion and effort into it and and neil was was um so hooked on the integrity of it um and and to really hit home that it's not just what's happening on screen that it's, it's what's happening off screen and it's the message people are taking away from it and uh, and that was that was kind of the pull as well not just that it was a fantastic story but um it was something that everyone was in for the right reasons and then that momentum kept going with everyone we that came on board you know with all of the team everyone who came on board was there for the right reasons i, I think it's a very special and unique moment when you find a, a group of people that um that all want the same thing and all, all collaborate together for you know no um, no other benefit than making something fantastic and uh, and yeah that's really rare. I've never been on a set like it. Came off um, after we wrapped and and it was such an incredible feeling and it was it was the best hands down the best um, thing I've ever been involved in creating um, and. Uh, and yeah, that that just just went to show with it how it was received um, critically and, and by people who have watched it as well. That's really nice to hear. Oh no, Thank absolutely you. no, hundred percent. What 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 Sam has left out though is that he'd stayed at our house as well because we were working <laughs> on a different film, and I was a bit drunk and I was like, "Where do I make this film? You've got no choice. You're gonna be in it." <laughs> but it was. We sat up until about two o'clock in the morning on on the, we had a shoot the next day and <laughs> just with a bit yeah. annoyed was like. No rest for the wicked, as you say. And for you, David, I know you said it was um, sort of something that was a bit progressive and, and a bit different to what you'd done before. So um, how was this compared to playing Emma Queen in Hollyoaks? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I was so interested in the part, because it was something different for me. And um, similar reasons what Sam was saying, just how um, when I met Neil and Lloyd, just how, because I'd seen some of the previous projects and they were they were amazing. Just how humble they were and just how nice they were. Just made me want to work even harder in that role. And again, like the things you were saying about it being progressive and things, something different that I can get my teeth stuck into. That's 
that's what really drew me to it. But more than anything, it was it was Lloyd and Neil that kind of want to make you work harder for it. So. I love this podcast. Can we just stay on this all day long? Right? I'll have that 20 quid at the end <laughs> of this please. I'll just put it in the post. Yeah. I was just saying, it's, it's very northern that you're drinking a milk pint of orange juice, David. Like... <laughs> <laughs> that is extremely northern as is the film as well being set up north as we know there's there's a huge problem with uh, regional representation in uk film media a lot of stuff is still even today based in and around london and being northern myself i always love it when things are set up north yeah i think most things we write are set in the north aren't they really neil I think there's a great humour up north, isn't there? Yeah. I am actually southern. <laughs> How are you? Oh, so you're you're a, you're a um a fake northerner then, technically. I, I am, but you're not allowed to tell anybody that. That's a secret. <laughs> I think northerners have a a much better way of nicely being able to take the piss out of each other, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I, I think I think there's kind of like. If you look back at like old, you know, old films from the north, like the kind of the, the, the like British social realism, a lot of that stuff comes from like northern cities and, you know, even things like Coronation Street, which obviously end up being like hugely success- successful. I think there's something like authentic about sort of like, I don't know, the, the northern voice and, 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 and other regions as well, I suppose. But yeah, we're, we're, we're especially going to love the north, aren't we? Because we're, we're from there. <laughs> except, except you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you were you did you were brought up in Burnage, Neil. Like you are kind of northern. Well, I'm fifty fifty, aren't I? Like, oh well, you can be an adopted northerner then, yeah, Neil. How's there that? We go. <laughs> it's obviously quite a um, character driven piece. So let's talk a little bit about the characters then. Uh, so George, your character Sam um, has obviously got a lot of drive and aspirations. Tell us a little bit about your role then. I felt like my character is ambitious, and it did want to go to, to dance school, but yeah, yeah, she's father who's keeping him back from being independent and when he goes to dance school he has to live by himself and his dad is holding that, that back. Mm. I think that dynamic is really crucial as well. How did you find playing that character then? My character's got a learning disability so it's really easy to represent that character and represent myself to ride the world that I, I can do things. Yeah, for sure. And David's character kind of limits your character's independence, doesn't he, George? And and almost hinders him in a way. And and David, your character um, being the sort of overprotective, restrictive father figure almost feels symbolic of um, attitudes to disability in a way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's kind of um, the character that I was playing. It's kind of a double-edged sword, really, because... He loves his son, obviously, to, to bits and doesn't want anything bad to happen to him. But within him trying to hold him down and uh, make sure nothing bad happens, he's limiting him to what he can do and uh, limiting to, to for him to express himself and meet new people because his father is basically scared that he will get hurt or he will get taken advantage of because he's vulnerable or whatever. But that's all in the father's head. Like, obviously... Uh, George's character is very independent and very intelligent, but his father just doesn't really give him that chance. Yeah, and that chance is, is all he needs, really, isn't it? And Sam, your character comes from a sort of different world to George's, doesn't he? You know, he's very different to a character like Corey in Ackley Bridge, who's the sort of popular um, jock-type character. You get the impression that he's had a difficult life, that he's not got very good family relationships, and that there's not um, really sort of much going for him. So how did you find playing him? I found I, I I did get a lot out of playing him in terms of uh, 
you know, he was he was very different from me. He's very insular, very um, uh, very nervous disposition almost, and 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 wary of the world, wary of of trying things, and and um, yeah, has has loads to learn, and 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 doesn't know it very very naive so really nice to, to be able to, to bring all of those qualities through it's really nice as well that you developed um, when we did the improvisation you developed like mannerisms like a twitch with him and stuff that like i think really brought across kind of his like insecurities and his vulnerability and like the, the showed that he had this nervous disposition that came out in a twitch i thought it was really really nice like the stuff that you brought to it you, you can send you can send me to it he didn't sound very nervous when you were calling me a lanky prick though so <laughs> <laughs> wish you get that in you know what it was one of one of the best um Best best bits about this was was that it was going to be um, heavily improvised around the dialogue. I mean, what was beautiful about having that kind of working relationship with everyone was that we're all on the same page and 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 had that time to play around and do a bit of improv and and it brought out loads and and, and George, you know, to, to act alongside him in, in pretty much all of the scenes was, was wicked to, to bounce off. Um, and I've never known that kind of lack of inhibition from anyone who's who's not done. Uh, you know, this is George's first character role, so so to have that ability when we we'd go into the rehearsal rooms and uh, and and jam through the scenes, and it was um, yeah, it was really beautiful. Some of the stuff George came up with in it, but it was really assistive to the narrative and, and going over all of those scenes that never happened in the film or the in between the lines stuff, and uh, and then all of the stuff on set as well. We still kept that play and um, and came up with some great stuff, some of the stuff that made it into the cut, um, some of the more natural stuff as well, and it really some great moments between all the characters and one of them of course being calling David a lanky brick (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that improv's really done its job because there's a certain level of authenticity that comes across in it I think the film says a lot about the world and there's quite a lot wrapped into it in in a short space of time Um, and although it touches on sexuality and disability for me I didn't feel like it was necessarily just about that um, I found it was about two characters from two different worlds that learn from each other and really connect on their on their common humanity. Yeah, and I think that was really important for us as well, that we wanted to show, you know, a slice of, of real life and how people can help each other to grow in the world. And, yeah, I think it's a story of growth and, and how you can meet someone and they can change your life in such a short space of time. The undertone also is that you can, like, it's not to judge a book by its cover. Yeah, because people can look look at you and assume you that you've got a learning disability, but you're not defined by your learning disability. You're defined by yourself. Like I'm George, and um, even though, even though I've got Down syndrome, I don't define myself as having Down syndrome. I'm just defining myself as George. Absolutely, and nobody needs to be defined by their disability in the same way that no one needs to be defined by their race or sexuality, gender identity or, or, or anything else. And, and, and even class as well, because that's something that's touched on in the film too, isn't it? Sam Redford's character, you know, is vulnerable and he, you know, does come from a, a background where he's probably not had the best upbringing or encouragement. I think he kind of got growing up on a, a kind of lower working class council estate, I think it's very easy to write people off um, for maybe the first impression or the way that they look or the way that they talk. Do you know what I mean? Um, And I think that's where we kind of not only portrayed that on screen, but we kind of brought people into the project that 
might not necessarily be afforded that kind of opportunity. And that's an amazing thing to do as well, especially in an industry that's often very middle class, like TV and film. You know, to give people from all backgrounds um, the opportunity to come and be supporting artists and work on the film. Because there's so many barriers, isn't there, you know, socially, economically and all those sorts of things. So it's fantastic that the film has got working class representation on screen, um, but also off screen in the real world as well. Absolutely. And, and it kind of and it just showed that, that that's um, something that can continue and should continue up to a... Um, up to a commercial scale. Yeah, and I think we want to kind of continue with that because we are, we do plan to make this into a, a feature film, and I think you know it's really important for us to um, keep that diversity on set and bringing in you know working class communities into roles that they wouldn't usually have the access to. Yeah, because there can be so many barriers for people, like we were saying. Um, and just sticking with this idea of representation, George, how well do you think the TV and film industry is doing in terms of representation of disability? I think there still needs to be more that needs to be done because most actors don't have a learning disability or maybe they do but they are hiding it away from it because they don't want to be defined by that. Directors should listen to them as well, listen to experiences with their disability. So like they they understand you more, they know more about you. I think it's I think it's really important because um and it shows that people with disability can do things when they get when they're given the the opportunity to do it. Yeah, I think it definitely needs to be more. And George, obviously, as an ambassador for MenCap, um, you're obviously really passionate about raising awareness of disability. Um, and now just touching back on MenCap again, um, let's talk a little bit more about their sort of involvement then uh, in the project. It's been such a, a, a learning curve for me working with MenCap that it was just right that I felt like we kind of asked them if they wanted to be involved. And yeah, they read the scripts and got back and was like, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, thumbs up. So yeah, we was we was really proud to have them kind of give their um, kind of stamp, stamp of approval, I suppose. I think after after workshopping, we, we kind of felt that we were telling a story that, that, you know, was genuine and that kind of needed to be told. You know, Neil was really passionate that it needed to be told right now. I was like, let's let's wait a, a couple of weeks before. And Neil was like, no, we're doing it now. And then we were upstairs writing the script because as soon as, you know, Neil says, it was like we're writing it. I was like, well, you're not writing it without me. And then we both ran upstairs and we both writing it. Do you know what I mean? So, because that's kind of how we work. But I, 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 was, I wanted to get it made as well. It was just we were literally on day two of a different shoot. So I was like, and Sam was there as well and can vouch for this. So it was like we were doing a freezing cold shoot in the woods on this other film. And uh, Neil was like, right, we're starting on this one now. And I was like, uh, can we wait until like next week at least? <laughs> We, we'd got back and we'd just watched the rushes from that day <laughs> on the sofa. And he was like, right, off we go. <laughs> Still got one day of shooting left. This other one. But it's, uh, hey, hey, hey you, you got to do what you got to do when it's a story like that. It's, um, it's pretty rare and pretty current. And it, it, it's a story that, you know, should have been told a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. So it's, it's just a privilege that we were kind of able to, to jump on that and I think it could have gone so close to, to going the other way had that script got into the you know hands of uh, people who hadn't had much understanding and know a, a large majority of the 
crew and, and, and people who worked on it had a huge understanding of disability, have a huge understanding of sexuality and of, um, uh, of minority represented groups. So it was, there was no, um, there was no superficial involvement. Everything was, um, eight inches deep. It was, it was, it was done properly. Nothing was just like, okay, quick, we're getting a film out really quick. So let's just make one that looks really nice. It was, it was all so well thought out and just phenomenal that all that managed to happen in such a, might need space and time. Yeah, I think having that understanding is really vital. Alongside disability, we were also talking um, before about how the film explores sexuality as well. Although it's not necessarily about just disability and sexuality, um, but somehow those two things together are seen as a taboo for some reason. There is a lot of films and TV series about sexuality, but not sexuality with learning disability. So I think that needs to be explored a lot more. Um, and need to be raised awareness of. Yeah, and why do you think that's important, George? Because I think it's important for everyone to learn what it is, um, for everyone to talk to people about, about it. Because I think it's important for anybody to be able to express themselves, whether it's like sexually or um, creatively. So I think if it's something that isn't being discussed and people do feel that they haven't got a voice, then then surely like everybody has a responsibility within an, within an industry that's so powerful that, and that can change um, perceptions. I think we've all got a, a responsibility to, to come together and help change that. We've come so far, so far with certain representation, but it feels, it feels like we're just lagging behind slightly when it comes to um, people with, with learning disabilities. I don't think we're quite there yet. You're right, definitely. I, I, I find that as well. It's like that show, um, The Undateables. I don't think I've ever seen them do a same-sex couple in that before. Yeah, I think there's only ever been one person on The Undateables that was LGBTQ+. So yeah, you're right. It's kind of like, although it is progressive in, in terms of uh, like shows when they show uh, different sexualities and stuff, with when it comes to learning diff- uh, disabilities and sexuality, it's not really touched on at all, really, in any show. Yeah, like you say, the more that you see yourself reflected on screen, the more that you feel like you can go and do that thing. Um, but I do feel like there's a bit of hesitancy to explore some of these issues like disability. Um, what do you guys think are the causes of that? I think it's because that um, they're too scared to, to get think it wrong it's fear of the unknown isn't it it's a hundred years ago or even 50 years ago you know look to, to hollywood and stuff and they were hesitant in in using anyone who wasn't white american because it's not something they've done before and until it was done you imagine them at the top and they're like well i don't know if i press this button if anything's going to happen and until they press it and realize that nothing happens and they just have to be a more beautiful and amazing place then uh, then they're not going to just go for it because the, these people up at the top aren't progressing and it takes this wave that i think we're in now we're just seeing the start of it where we start down here if you imagine we're down here and we're you know um coming up with these ideas it's a lot easier for us working in uh, independent film to, to showcase these ideas with you know none of these big talking heads above us and then it takes those people to then progress up into the commercial uh, industry and, you know, become producers and writers. And, you know, let's say we get the opportunity and the privilege to turn it into a feature film. We keep those integrities. Here we go. Okay, there's more opportunity to put a work experience program in place. So there's more opportunity to get people who wouldn't necessarily be involved to be involved. So, um, yeah, I think it comes from a place of fear, comes from a place of age and, and comes from a place of, of uh, routine. 
and and it takes a, a very big momentum of people to do the whole smash the glass effect and throw the brick through the window. Yeah, definitely. Like George said, I think that's kind of the key reason for this sort of hesitancy. We're just going to take a quick break now. This is the part of the show where we put the spotlight on someone who's doing something to make the world that little bit better. Hi, this is Sheena Yapchan. I am from Toronto, Canada, and I have a book series coming up called Women Who Boss Up, where we feature women who are able to share their stories about how they're able to forge their own path and thrive. Two of the books that I'll be featured in is called Asian Women Who Boss Up and International Women of Color Who Boss Up, because you don't see a lot of books that highlight 16 Asian women on a cover of a book or you know, 16 women of color on a cover of a book. And for me, representation is everything because growing up, I never had that. And I always thought I was never good enough. And I want the future generation to realize that they are beautiful just the way they are in their own skin. We really want to use these books to help women rise up, elevate, and see their own worth that they they are able to forge their own path. We really just want to help them, you know, see how much good they can do and what they're capable of doing and have the confidence to do it. If you've got a story or know anyone that's got a story that you'd like featured on the show, you can email ways to improve the world at gmail.com or get in touch on social media at improve world pod. One thing I really liked about the film as well was the kind of lack of any kind of labels. Um, so rather than anyone being specifically a gay character, these are just characters that happen to be gay or bi or however they choose to identify. Exactly. Yeah, it's not a yeah, it's not a, a gay love story or a, or a, you know a, 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 it's it's why I had we we did a, a Q and A and and there was a, a question about um, being an LGBT ambassador and, and yeah, absolutely a, a champion of those of those stories, but it's it's not about that. And until we can make it fashionable, that it is just that that's not a thought that crosses through our head and we don't we don't have obviously you know we're not there yet that we can't um just sit back and 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 chill out and tell those stories but it is just about the stories it's just a a love story and a and a, a story with two great characters who have loads to learn from each other and you summed it up beautifully it's not a, a, a film about disability at all and, and disability is rarely if not ever mentioned it's just george is a, a you're a fantastic actor and beautiful to work with and and uh, and the characters exactly the same, and, and the writers the same. It's not you know dependent on on anything other than it being a great story that people can watch and enjoy and come out of feeling like they're represented in that, and, and that they can turn around and and be like, oh, I didn't feel like I could go for lead parts, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to go for it. It's, it's just a love story, and that's all that you see when you when you watch it back. It's just a really lovely, heartwarming love story. Yeah, definitely. And, and as well as it being that kind of love story, um, hopefully, you know, which I'm sure it will be, it can sort of be a catalyst for conversation and um, for talking about um, some of these important issues. And, and what's the reaction been like so far then from people that have seen it? I think a massive positive impact, I think, from when people watched it. Um, when we had the casting and crew screening, everyone loved it so much. So we talked about it a lot, a lot after watching it. So um, I think when well, I, I did watch it, I think we'll chat about it a lot more. Um, chat about the film, chat about sexuality, learning disability, help them to understand what it is, understand the 
what the, the issue of it behind in film and TV. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure it's going to have a really positive impact. I mean, it's had a lot of press attention already, hasn't it? It's been picked up by Digital Spy, Attitude Magazine, you've been on ITV News. So people are sort of already starting to talk about it, which is amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think I think we were, you know, we were overwhelmed with the support that we got. And when ITV reached out to us, you know, it was it was it was brilliant for us because it gave us that platform to, um, you know, tell the work, tell the UK about the film and tell people about what what message we were trying to trying to get out there via the film. Um, so, yeah, it's been the support's been brilliant with it. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm I'm very hopeful that once we can you know, we can continue to get that support and yeah, just spread the message of the film really. And we're, we're working at the moment as well. We're still working on developing this into a feature film and keeping things with the project moving. Awesome. And, and so what kind of impact are like, you're hoping to, are you hoping it will achieve sort of going forward? Um, I mean, I think, I think the impact is we want to start conversations. We want people to start having conversations that they wouldn't usually have, whether they're afraid to, or they've just not really thought about it before. We want to, you know, get people to watch the film and have, have, a, have a conversation and, you know, think about the world slightly differently um, for the better and, and to, you know, drop maybe some preconceived ideas they've got about, you know, sexuality or, or disability or, you know, class. Um, loads of different conversations I think people can have from watching this film. Yeah, I mean, we've managed to do a whole podcast episode on it. So there's definitely a huge amount to talk about from the film. This is Ways to Improve the World. You can follow the podcast on social media at Improve World Pod. You mentioned about encouraging people to think um, about the world a bit differently, which is similar to the aim of this podcast, really, too. So thinking about the world that we live in, what do we think we need to make it a better place? Having a greater representation of our world's diversity but up at the top making the decisions because then we get a true reflection and thus we'll uh, present in that representation authentically on screen so that people who are watching it and consuming those things also feel like they have a place up there yeah sort of everyone being reflected David, what are your thoughts? Well, uh, there's a lot of different things that I could think of, but uh, in relative to the film, I think um, touching on sexuality, just how people should be kind of more um, aware that it's it's more of a fluid thing rather than it being very black and white, or it's like people can switch, people can try different things. It's a spectrum almost, and there's nothing that's certain, there's nothing that's definite. So, And I think that that's, that's why this film is so beautiful and that it touches on that subject and it's touched on different subjects as well but I think in a lot of programs and moving forward that needs to be needs to be expressed more in there that it's that it's fluid and it's not black and white it's all very it flows all the time it flows like that no uh, but I think that's what's really um what like we were saying before about the film is that like there's I don't think that like the word the word gay or queer or bisexual or anything isn't isn't actually in the in the film is it and I think that's what we need is just to like sort of get to a point where we're no longer defining people by whatever they are. And George, what else do we need in the world? Treat people with respect. Respectfulness is one of the most important things you need. And fairness. And in film as well, I think. So, like, diversity. Yeah, I think, it, you know, we are getting there as well. It makes me uh, really proud that the two, two generations behind me have this passion and attitude to 
be progressive and to change the world. With their kind of attitudes, like, I, I just hope that in 20 years' time, we'll live in a much more progressive and empathetic and inclusive world. And I, I, I genuinely believe that we will. For me, I, I'm really proud of the, the youth of today. I think with LGBT stuff, especially since when I was in school, wasn't talked about L- like LGBT stuff at all in school. Like I, I don't think anybody came out in school, and obviously the generation, the generation now, fifteen years later, you know there are. I think kids do feel a lot more comfortable with sexuality. So I think you know that the talking about disability and 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 you know the which I think is kind of the next thing that isn't being addressed with the media and isn't being shown on screen as much. I think maybe in 15 years, you know, that that will kind of come to where LGBT is now. I don't know. I hope so. I mean, there's still a long way to go with LGBT. Um, I think it very much depends on on what, what school you're in. I, I've worked in a few schools and some schools it's really progressive and some schools it is still like it was when I was in school. So I think it, you know, there's still a long way to go with that as well. But I think it is a step beyond you know, representation of disability and and the way that people talk about it is, is different. I think there's still a kind of fear attached to talking about disability and getting it wrong. And kind of when I was in school, no one talks about sexuality, whereas people do very much talk about it now. Yeah, I mean, LGBTQ plus has made some real progress in schools in the last few years. Just have to hope that disability catches up, really. Um, but obviously, when Section 28 was brought in in the 80s that put that ban on the sort of discussion of um, these sort of issues, I think there was a, a real fear created around um, talking about sexuality and gender identity in schools and the closing down of a lot of LGBTQ support groups and things like that. Um, but there's definitely been a real breakthrough um, in the last few years, especially since there was some backlash in 2019 from some parents against it. Um, but now under the sort of new regulations for relationships and sex education, all secondary schools are sort of required to teach kids about sexual orientation and gender identity and primary schools as well. Um, sort of have to talk about different types of families, uh, including sort of LGBTQ plus families. So, yeah, there's, there's been a real change. And the world can only become a better place for it as well. Joe, the more understanding we have of each other, the, the, the better the world will become. It's fear that, that segregates us. I think love would make the world a better place. I know that's really cheesy and I don't want to sound like... Uh, it's all right, you can be as cheesy as you like. <laughs> but I think like world peace and love is what the, the world needs, you know. But we can all do our tiny little thing to maybe get there you know and creativity is a uh, and and the media is a uh, is a brilliant platform to change perceptions still with television and, and lgbt stuff if if they've got one lgbt program on their slate they won't take another one it's still very much like we've got one gay television we've got one gay television program guys so it's not really for us at the moment. Me and Neil have had that a lot with kind of pitching stuff. And I think that's really wrong because I think, well, you've got you've got 50 straight relationship television shows. So what's the difference? It's a completely different story. I know a lot of feedback that I've heard, not just from myself, but from other working class writers, is that TV companies want aspirational and working class or council states don't equal aspiration. So like they want things that in somewhere that looks pretty and the people are pretty and yeah glossy yeah, and very glossy so but that isn't the world that we live in and what's what story are we te- actually telling people that that to get ahead you have to be you know wealthy or beautiful or do you know what i mean so yeah that, like you can 
there is, uh, it puzzles me that they think that you can't be aspirational coming from a working class background. Actually, the working class community are the people that are aspirational because they're the ones that are predominantly carers and, and nurses, do you know what I mean? So hopefully after this, like, TV companies will be like, oh, actually, maybe working class people can be aspirational. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm, I'm proud of being working class. And I think that'd be a really good thing. The more we have people from a variety of backgrounds working in the industry, the better, because then we'll have you know more stories and more, and more perspectives on the world. And hopefully people are starting to realise that, you know, just because we're working class doesn't mean that we're not aspirational or that we're not like clever or that we're not creative. Like we can be all those things in the same way that anyone from any background, you know, with disability or LGBT or not can do as well. I think once we get to a point where we no longer have to have these conversations and discussions about representation will be the point where we've finally gone and done it and, and done representation well and been properly inclusive and um, because we we'll no longer need to sit down and talk about how there's a lack of representation and, and hopefully we'll get there one day. <laughs> um, I'd just like to finish off um, just by sort of asking everyone, um, what do you think is one thing that everyone could do to make the world a better place? Um, I think something we can do kind of every day and as a, uh, an ethos going forward as people, if people can be integral to their inner beliefs and not shy away from those and, um, and attempt to, to break down um, a lot of barriers if it's something that they don't believe. Uh, I think just maybe recycle more. <laughs> good, good point, good point, why not? Completely <laughs> irrelevant to what we're talking about. No, it's, it's true, it's true. I think um, the world needs to, sh to show more compassion and empathy. Super, super, I think Simon Neil really yeah, respect and compassionate and love. That blows my recycling out of the water, that one, George. <laughs> Do you know what? These are, these, are all, these are all very valid points, to be fair. <laughs> I think mine would just be to talk to one another more. I think a lot of people don't don't speak face to face anymore and there's a lot of kind of staring at screens and i think people need to have conversations with people check people are okay like talk and and ask people how they are i feel like we've lost a bit of that in the last kind of five years and oh, honestly my 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 uh my facebook got hacked and it's the best thing that's ever happened to me because it got deleted completely and i lost instagram as well i have reset back up instagram but not having like that scrolling it's taken at least an hour off like what i used to do i think it's just scrolling I, I agree. I've, I've got a rule in my house now where when we wake up in the morning, you're not allowed to look at your phone for at least an hour. Just go have, have a coffee, have a chat, do all that. And then you just, because I just think you just lose each other a little bit when you, because you've got, you're busy all day anyway. At least that morning is that little precious time where you can just be connected with each other. I feel like we've, we've lost a, a, a kind of sense of human connection in the, in the last five years. Um, I mean, I've noticed it with myself more, you know, I'm, I wake up and I'm looking at a screen, I'm not looking at a person. I guess just kind of just remember like human connection. Yeah, and if there's any good to come out of this crisis, I think it'll be that people will work together better and communicate more. And, and like you say, Lloyd, you know, connect better and speak to each other more as well. Um, and hopefully this film can open up conversations and get people talking um, and get people connecting as well. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Oh, no, I loved it. It was great. No, it's been so wonderfully positive and, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, definitely leaving with a, a very nice, warm, fuzzy feet. Oh, I'm Thank glad. You well. Well, yeah. Bye, everybody. Nice to see you all. Thank you all so much. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh, I really enjoyed that one. 
Um, I was a bit nervous about having five people on at once, um, but it was really nice to have so many people, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Just a few things I'm going to take away from today. Um, the first that sort of springs to mind is that, you know, everyone working on any kind of artistic project, whether it be a film, TV series or podcast, needs to have, you know, a real thorough understanding of the issues that are being explored um, so that it can be handled sort of sensitively and accurately. Um, and the other is that, you know, it's really important also to open up opportunities to everybody as well um, i'm going to leave you now with a wonderful quote from george about the progress that we've made in terms of representation of disability i think there is going to be a long way i think we need to be represented out out on the world and to show what we are and show what we're good at um what we can do and basically um, that we're not to be judged, not to be bullied. Um, we are, we're, we're just people. We are just people that can be defined as a person. I think that's a great point to end on and the film is doing really really well every time i check on social media it's been nominated for another award or been involved with another film festival so there's always plenty of stuff going on with it and you can get all the latest info and screening information by heading over to at sam film uk on instagram and facebook so that's sam s-a-m um, and at sam underscore film uk on twitter Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. It just helps other people find the podcast so that it can spread a message of hope and positivity around the world. If you've got a story of someone or a project that's having a positive impact on the world, definitely get in touch. You can email ways to improve the world at gmail.com. That's ways to improve the world at gmail.com or get in touch on socials at Improve World Pod so that hopefully we can work together to find ways to make the world a better place. I'm Michael Sheridan and you've been listening to Ways to Improve the World. Thank you to Neil, Lloyd, George, Sam and David for taking part in the podcast and to the producer of the film, Nell Green. Ways to Improve the World is an original podcast produced and edited by me, Michael Sheridan, with music by Sundays and iColleagues. Links to their music can be found in the description. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.